Um, he is serving our sister church there. And Brandon this morning probably probably already preaching or maybe kind of wrapping it up. So um, please remember him. Keep him in prayer and our sister church there. Uh, a lot of you know that um, they now have their pastor. He's kind of somewhat en route. So selling the house, selling the car. Uh, they live in Scotland. Uh, his wife is from South Africa. And so they're currently in the process of move. And uh, the plan is, is that they'll be in Brandon November 9. So November 9. So we're very, very excited for them as a church. And uh, just, yeah, so good. Uh, also just want you to note that in two weeks we have a coffee and name tag Sunday. And so it's just a great opportunity. You might be new to the church. You might be kind of checking things out. Come a little early. Um, on November 5th, and we're going to slap a name tag on you. just helps us, and it, maybe it helps you as well as a lot of people. You're meeting a lot of folks. Come early, grab some coffee. Let's spend a little bit of time together. That's um, before the start of our service, November 5th. And then also wanted to note November 4th and November 11th. Okay, November 4th and 11th, we're going to be doing an equip class. Usually, well, quite often we do our equip classes on Sunday mornings, as you know. This one's going to be on Saturday, two Saturday mornings, the 4th and the 11th. And the purpose is both to help you um, grow in your ability to study God's Word and then to teach God's Word. And that might kind of intimidate you a little bit, and you might... Um, I would imagine as I make that announcement, some of you might start to dismiss yourself from that teaching side. Can I just encourage you and exhort you? And I want to include the young people in this, all right? Um, I want to see young people here, all right? Now, I don't know what young people means. I don't, I don't know what the age is. I mean, certainly it's less than me, all right? So we want to see teenagers here. How about that? Coming to learn, how do I read God's word? How do I study God's word? And then how do I teach it? Um, because some of you teenagers, you're going to be teaching. And uh, we look forward to that. So that's not only for the teenagers that I'm making that announcement, but we all need to be equipped in how do we handle God's word. Let's put it like that. And so please consider, that's November 4th and 11th. You need to sign up. You can do so on our website. And with that, let's dive into the Spirit of God in that we are never alone. All right, so when you're saying the Spirit, that's what we're saying. So we talked a few weeks ago about we're saved by grace alone, right? Um, through um, In Christ alone, through faith alone, and yet because of the Spirit's presence in our lives, we are never alone. And so with where we've been tracking, I'm not going to um, uh, rehearse where we've been so far in this series this morning, uh, but I do encourage you to go back and listen to the previous sermons because it's given you a picture of the doctrines and the distinct distinctives here at Trinity that are important to us. And if you're considering perhaps maybe this is going to be a place that you might call home, you're really going to want to go back. This now the eighth um, sermon in our series, Now on the Holy Spirit. Last week, Christian preached on the Trinity and so and did a fantastic job. I was so grateful for his sermon last week to be um, to cover a topic like that. Um, to get that assignment is 
intimidating and uh, just really, you just have a lot of questions about your own notes. Um, that, that can be any week, but a week like last week. And you just did a fantastic job um, for us. But you might be wondering, why are we going to take a week and do a standalone sermon on just the Spirit? It's a good question. Glad you asked that. Two reasons. Most people have more questions when it comes to the Spirit than they do the Father or the Son. That's one. Two, um, previous sermons were really, though we didn't note it for you, we were talking a lot about the Father's activity and a lot about the Son's activity. And so it's appropriate for us to come now at this point in our series and to lock down, do one Sunday, which is a little crazy too, um, but to do one sermon on the Spirit. It's not going to be a normal sermon in that um, my preference is not to bounce around as much as I'm going to this morning. I'm essentially trying to preach three sermons in one, and I don't know if that's a good idea. Well, we'll you can let me know when we're done. Um, but we can't, there's, there's some things I do want to set in the, in the outset, and then we'll pray. There's some things that we're not going to cover this morning, all right? We're not going to cover a biblical defense of the continuation of God's gifts in the church today. Um, we believe in it, and we've done that in previous other sermons. Um, if you would like to discuss that, let's do coffee. Um, we've got six elders. We'd love to sit down. We'd love to chat with you on that. Um, it's, a, it's a worthy subject to explore. But this morning, that's, we're not going to get into a full defense of the continuation of all the gifts. Secondly, the point this morning is not to do a study on the gifts um, or a thorough study. There's, we're not doing a thorough study on the Spirit. Um, a, a quick thought. If you're here this morning and you are a cessationist, now some of you are going, what's that? That would be the view that some of the gifts of the Spirit continue today and some of them have ceased. Cessation. All right. If you're here this morning and you might be a cessationist and you're going to be hearing, okay, these guys are continuationists, meaning all the gifts continue. That would be our view here. Um, ask yourself uh, if, if you believe some of the gifts have ceased. Are you convinced of that, of your view, because of errors that you've seen in church life? Or is it because you, you make your case and you have a conviction about Scripture? Okay, and I think that's important um, because, because there's things that we see in, I'll say, charismatic circles or even kind of crazy charismatic circles that we recognize and we see that's just not right. And of that, we would agree. We would, we would say, yeah, we agree. That's not appropriate. That's not biblical. That's extra biblical. Um, and, and we would agree with you. But we want to make our case not as a reaction to things that we see that are wrong, but as a response from Scripture. Okay? And so that's what we, well, we attempt to do. Um, and, and, and let me say this. We... If you're here this morning and you're, you're a cessationist, thanks for being here. Like, thanks for being here. It's humble of you to be here. And uh, I hope you're encouraged in our practice of the gifts. And um, just thanks for being here so much. Uh, let's pray. And we'll dive into God's word. 
Father God, we, we thank you. Whether we land here or there, we just thank you. All of us would be in the room saying, thank you for your spirit's work in my life. Lord, we heard a testimony this morning in some degree. It's all of our testimony. In that you, by your spirit, woke us up from spiritually dead state that we were in. And you breathed new life into us. And so as we were hearing Justin share, we were all celebrating not only his testimony, but our own as well. Lord, you have been at work in us by your spirit and you continue to be in work in us. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray that you would build her up today. Encourage her in you, who you are and your activity. Lord God, I pray that you would help me. Lord, there's so many things to cover and so many things uh, not to cover. Lord, help me to have wisdom. And bless your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear me that when we talk about our continuationist convictions here, what we're not talking about. We're not talking about a free-for-all. We're not talking about um, just out-of-control meetings and calling that spirit-filled. We believe in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We'll look at little parts of that later. But we believe that the gifts of the Spirit, all of them are given for the building up of the body of Christ. And uh, we believe that Paul not only says it's for the building up of the body of Christ, but he also says that those gifts are to be done and used orderly. And so we believe what Scripture says in regards to that. So here's how we're going to progress this morning. Three points this morning. The first is going to be the Spirit and the Word. And we're going to cover that from Hebrews. So you're going to need to be moving around in your Bibles this morning. Um, The Spirit and the Word. Then we're going to cover the Spirit and the believer. And then we're going to cover the Spirit and the church today. At least, I pray, that's what we're going to cover. All right, so... Let's begin with the, the Spirit and the Word, the Word of God. There are two doctrines that I want to emphasize for us this morning. When we talk about doctrine and distinctives and, you know, who is Trinity, here we go. Two doctrines I want to emphasize for us that we treasure at Trinity. It's the doctrine of the Word and the doctrine of the Spirit. And it's both, Okay. Because we don't buy into this idea that those two are in conflict with each other. And I say that because often that's how we hear about the Word and the Spirit in conversation. We believe in the Spirit, and we believe all the gifts of the Spirit continue today. And some think that, 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 that a church needs to either be Spirit-led or Word-led. We would say, why not both? <laughs> Loudly, we would say, we want to be spirit-led and we want the word of God functioning in the church. Some would say, let's be committed to the spirit. And others would say, let's be committed to the word as if those two thoughts are in conflict with each other. Let us be a church that loudly cries, we want both 
And we don't believe that a word church has to be stale and heady and stuffy. And we don't believe that a spirit-led church has to be out of control, outside of scripture, void of the word of God. Let there be the word of God and the spirit of God at Trinity. God, give us the word and God, give us your spirit. And we don't believe to say that sentence is in conflict with itself. So our first verse this morning, I'm going to preach this really oddly for what is normal diet here. It's Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, and I'm just going to preach the first few words of, chap- of, of verse 7 and uh, make a couple comments, and we're going to need to move on. Um, Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, just reading verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and I'm just going to stop there and begins quote begins quote he's quoting psalm 95 therefore as the holy spirit says first thing we have to see in this text is this therefore as the holy spirit says what is the author of hebrews saying to us here with that phrase because he's telling us something he's showing us that the holy spirit is the author of what's the next quote that's going to be he's saying that who's the author of psalm 90, 95 well Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is. And that's true of the entire scripture, right? It's small a, capital A, right? You've got small a, Paul, who's the author of Ephesians and Corinthians and Philippians, and we go on. But it's the capital A, Spirit of God, who inspired men to write. And this is just a great little text for me to use to say, look at that. Look, scripture's attesting to that. As the Holy Spirit says, Scripture itself is attesting that the Spirit and the Word are in no way in conflict with each other. Because ultimately the Spirit is the capital A author. And we have the Word of God because the Spirit of God inspired the Word. You have it in your laps today. Thank you, Spirit of God. So, Here's, here's my question for us. Do you want more of the Spirit's activity in your life? Of which we should all be saying, yeah, absolutely. Good, glad you're responding positively. You know what I'm going to say next? Dig into your Bible. Dig into your Bible. Where the Spirit of God reveals God. In all of his glory and splendor, pray as you dig into your Bible, Lord, illuminate my mind, because I've read this before, but you can read it again, and suddenly, right, it jumps off the page. God, illuminate your word to me, but let's stop with any sense that there's some sort of conflict between spirit and word. The only conflict between spirit and word is the one that we construct in our own minds. I don't think it'll be on your screen, but I'm quoting uh, David Helm here. He says, to be blunt, I'm weary of it all. (laughs) Speaking of what I'm talking about. He says, I'm tired of those who frame the discussion along these lines as though the spirit and the word were at odds with one another. The dichotomy, dichotomy is a false one. And it's about time we learn how to put it to rest. 
What I would argue instead is that the person who recognizes the church's need for a fresh and long-lasting ministry of the Spirit will be the same one who devotes himself not only to prayer, but to biblical exposition. This is because the ministry of the Holy Spirit has always been dynamically related to the ministry of the Word. Well put, David Helm. Friends, we we don't need to go on an all-out search. What is the Spirit saying today? Got to get a fresh new word today. I I need a now word, is sometimes how you hear it. As if the eternal word isn't good enough. I need need a now word. And people get excited sometimes about the now word because there's something exciting about that. I got this now word and I don't want to squish a now word, but let's be aware that a now word is subjective. This might be the Lord. It might be the pizza I ate ate last night. This, This, it's subjective. It's not the objective word of God, right? It's a subjective impression. And sometimes with the glamorization of the now word, we, we belittle the eternal word of God. We don't want to do that. Let's run to the eternal word. This is objective. This is unchanging. This is eternal. And the spirit speaks to us through his eternal word. Okay. Let's not diminish it by thinking it's not as dynamic as a now word. As if the now word is a better word than the eternal word. So do you want to hear from the Spirit of God more? Answer is yes. Dig into this book, the Word of God. Go find yourself a quiet spot. Sit down with your Bible and a pen and pray. Lord, speak to me through your Word today. Some preachers say, I don't prepare for sermons. I just get behind the pulpit and I trust that the Spirit's going to give me what to say. God bless those guys. That's not me. I'm praying during the week when I'm sitting down with the Bible that the Spirit's at work during the week, right? That's why you pray for those who are preaching. God, by, by your Spirit, reveal yourself to that guy in his study. Well, one of the things I like to say when I'm preaching is that the text that we're looking at, this was for them then and for us now. You've heard that a thousand times. Them then, us now. And we see that also here in in this text. As the Holy Spirit says. Did you catch that? That's present tense. The author of Hebrews didn't say, as the Holy Spirit said. Literally, what we can take home from this is that that word that was for a people back then, Psalm 95, is for the people in Hebrews' day as he writes that letter. It says, as the, whole, as the Spirit says. And the point that we make when we're preaching, that's the, that's the beauty of the living word of God, that it's for us this morning as well. And so we're not just looking to some past word that, that it, we, we do want to point out what, who were the original hearers, what were they going through, what was, what was the point of that message, but we also want to bring that home to us. That word back then is just as much for us today. That's the glory of God's word. So it's not just some ancient book. It is present tense. The Spirit of God says to us today. 
Well, we believe in both the Bible and the Spirit. And we believe in the sufficiency, inerrancy, authority, and inspiration of the Word because it is inspired by the Spirit. And we believe in the ongoing work of the Spirit today because we believe in the authority of the Bible. So the Bible and the Spirit, rather than canceling each other out, they complement each other and they point to one another. Secondly, the Spirit and the believer. And for this, we're going to turn to Titus chapter 3. We preached Titus recently, so this might be somewhat familiar to some of us. Thinking of the Trinity, what Christian preached last week, the three in one, all, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, were engaged in your salvation. The, ch- the, the, the Father chose you before the beginning of time. Christ died and redeemed you from your sins. And the Spirit breathed new life into your dead spiritual state of sin and gave you the gift of faith to call out to him. Something that was in you, um, something in you that was once darkness, right? Our first sermon, 1 Peter 2, became light. And something was awakened in you that created a desire in you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Something moved upon your soul and birthed a desire in you. Suddenly now you desire to honor Christ. What is that? Well, the something was a someone. It was the Spirit of God. So Titus 3 says it like this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration, that's new life and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, I'm not going to do this passage justice this morning, but just to make a couple comments. I take Titus 3 to mean two things in relation to this sermon this morning. First of all, the Trinity, the three in one, was involved in your salvation. If you're here today and you're a follower, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, that's because of the Father. That's because of the Son. That's because of the Holy Spirit. The three in one. Secondly, what we can gain from this text, that at salvation, you were given the Holy Spirit. We believe that if you are genuinely saved this morning, you are also filled with the Spirit of God at salvation. In that, we differ though we believe in the continuation of gifts, we differ a bit from our Pentecostal friends who believe in a secondary baptism in the the Spirit after salvation. Last week, Christian referenced Jesus' last moments with his disciples. John 16 records Jesus explaining to his disciples that it'd be best for him to leave them. I mean, that's just a stunning passage to consider and thinking about Because soon he's going to ascend to the Father, and he says to them, it'd be best for me to go, because if I go, then I'm going to send you an advocate, a helper, the Spirit of God, to live in you. And I got to be honest, if I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking that's not what I signed up for. 
Like I signed up to follow Jesus in the flesh. I can see him face to face. Like, give me Jesus. <laughs> and, and, and clearly that would have been the sentiment among the disciples as well because he's seeking to encourage them. Why? Because, well, Jesus is going to be leaving them. I'm thinking I don't like the plan that he's suggesting. Because I like the Jesus that's right in front of me right now more than the spirit that you say is coming. And I'll have later. And so when Jesus sought to encourage those same guys, right? We're so familiar with Matthew 28 and just the the global mission to go into all the world. Christ promises them, what? That he will be with you always to the end of the age. And we tend to emphasize, you know, the go aspect, the teach them, to make disciples, the baptize them. And sometimes we can kind of downplay or forget his driving point. Be with you always to the end of the age. That's to bolster our faith for mission. And the question to them and us Do you believe the word of God here? Do you believe John 16? It's better for him to go and send the spirit. Do you believe? Do you you believe Matthew 28? That I'm always with you to the ends of the age. How convinced are you of this truth? How, How does it fill your heart with faith for mission? At Trinity, we raise the banner that we have been given the spirit of God and he lives in us and we proclaim this morning without embarrassment or shame of any sort. We need the spirit of God living in us. We desire the gifts of the spirit and we are to live lives that bear fruit of the spirit. By God's grace, he's called us to walk in the spirit that we might continue to grow in honoring Christ and grow in godliness as a result of the spirit. We seek to share Christ with others due to the empowering of the spirit and where our hearts are affectionate to God and where we desire to honor and glorify Christ. We recognize it's because we have the spirit. So God, this is my prayer. Give us a stronger Vibrant theology of the Spirit, which informs our practice of the, the, the things of the Spirit in the life here at Trinity. Lord, help us. The Spirit is living in us that we might grow in Christ. 2 Corinthians three, eighteen, and other places as well, but it's a favorite. So, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree, and that's just beautiful, one degree to another. That's a great picture of sanctification. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Again, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
You see, church, we can't. We can't put a sign out in the yard and say, revival this Friday and show up and create a revival. Um, We can't manufacture a move of the Spirit. But we can pray. God, would you move in our day? Would you move by your Spirit in ways, I mean, prayed earlier, in ways I've never seen. Widespread repentance and salvation. Cross our land, in our cities. Well, not only are we given the Spirit at conversion, but we're also told by Paul to the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. So point number three, the Spirit and the gathered church. And I'm going to be looking at it both Ephesians 5 and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and just making a couple comments along the way. Ephesians 5 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's a couple things we need to note here in Ephesians 5. First of all, this is an imperative. It's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. Um, the command is issued to us as individuals, right? You, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, but it works itself out in community. All right, so it expresses itself not in isolation, but in community. Did you hear? Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart. Uh, While it is communicated to us individually, this imperative, it is expressed as the church gathers together and that's that's ephesians ephesians is about the the church um so here's the thing when we gather right you ever have this um this moment um i feel like i did this morning i feel like i often do i'm singing to the lord right and i'm being sung to like all of us are singing to the lord That's why we're singing, but we're singing to each other as we sing to the Lord. Does that make any sense? Like, I'm I'm stirred and affected by your singing to the Lord, which ends up being to me. Like, I just hear voices. I hear just the faith of our hearts as we're responding in song. And I hope you do as well. Um, And so, just what a great picture he says, don't get drunk with wine. That's, that's what the Gentiles were doing. That, that is what the world does. It is, he says, debauchery. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. The original language carries more weight than, than it translates. It, it actually literally is never get drunk with wine. Always be filled with the Spirit. And in an ongoing sort of way, be continually filled with the Spirit. 
So that in an ongoing way, verses 19 through 20 can function in your church as we gather. So we believe that you receive the Spirit at salvation, and we believe that we are continue to continue to be filled by the Spirit, really, uh, until, until you die <laughs> or Jesus returns. Galatians says to us to walk in or walk by the Spirit. So we have the Spirit, and we pray, God, fill me with your Spirit. God, continue to fill me for your glory, for the community that is gathering the church, well, for us, every Sunday at 10 o'clock. Fill me with your spirit for this. Because you have the spirit, not just for individual purposes, you do, for your individual growth, your individual walk in Christ, but scripture's gonna repeatedly point us that we're filled with the spirit for functioning as a body, a community of believers. So I want to say to you, bring your spirit-filled life to church. <laughs> bring your spirit-filled life to church. Please don't read Ephesians 5 apart from church life. The church gathers and celebrates salvation. Your salvation is entirely rooted. Its source is from God the Father. We sing to the Father. He chose you before the beginning of time, and it's due to the Son, His redemption, His blood spilled. We celebrate, and we sing, and it's by the Spirit who awakened your dead soul and now fills you, and as we gather on a Sunday morning, gather the Spirit-filled church comes together at Trinity, which takes us really to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and that's pretty ambitious. Um, I'm just going to say, read it later. We've preached through Corinthians, so we spend some time here, but I would encourage you, sit down at a minimum, read 12, 13, and 14, and would you please ignore the chapter breaks? They're not helpful here in 12, 13, and 14. They weren't original. They weren't inspired, okay? They were added later, right? And so read it all, and read it all slowly and carefully, and then when you're done, read it again. Read it again. Find out what are the issues going on in, Corinthian, in the Corinthian church that Paul is seeking to address? Why Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, why did he write what he wrote? And why do we need these chapters today in the church? Well, a driving point that he makes in chapters 12, 13, and 14 regarding the use of the gifts of the Spirit is that they are for the common good. He'll use the phrase for the common good or he'll use the, the phrase for the building up of the church, the gathered church. So for instance, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, to each is given. I'm just going to pause there a moment. To each is given. You've been gifted by God. Every one of us who's a genuine follower of Christ, you have been given gifts of the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, what? For the common good. Chapter 14, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Let all things be done 
for building up. You see, chapter 12, as you read it later, it's going to show us that the gifts of the Spirit, I believe it'll show us, they're for today, that all have spiritual gifts, every believer, and we are to use those gifts, or those gifts are to find expression in the church, in the gathering of the church for the building up or for the common good of the church. You know, in chapter 12, the metaphor that Paul is working from is the body. And the hand is not the foot and the eye is not the ear. And we need all the parts coming together to what end? For the common good, the building up of the church. And so he's going to go from chapter 12. He's going to then launch into chapter 13. That's the chapter, right, that you've heard read at a number of weddings. It's not a wedding chapter. Nothing wrong with reading that at the wedding, but it's not the wedding chapter. It's a chapter that's sandwiched between 12 and 14, and it's about the gifts of the Spirit. And so the, 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 the Corinthian believers there, they were trampling over each other. They were gifted in the gifts, and they knew it, and they were arrogant about it and proud about it, and they had become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal right? Read chapter 13. And Paul's not saying to them, stop it with the gifts. He's saying, if you're not going to operate in the gifts without love, you're just noise in the community. Lord, help us, right? And that's how he's going to unpack for us how we need to operate in an orderly fashion when it comes to the gifts. And then he's going to move to chapter 14. He's going to tell us to desire spiritual gifts. And Again, they're to be used in an orderly fashion. Well, what does all that mean for the church today? Well, it means that we've all been given spiritual gifts and we're to use them in an orderly way to build up the body of Christ. With a heart of love for one another, it ought to be done, used in in an effort to build and encourage for the common good. They are spiritual gifts Literally, the, the, the original language, they are grace gifts. He uses the word, if you remember from our Corinthian study, it's the word charismata. It's where you get the word charismatic. They are charismata. Grace gifts is what it means. Gifts not because you earn them. They're gifts. <laughs> not because you're better than the next person. They're gifts. They are grace gifts. But also we should note that all the gifts are given by the Spirit, meaning we tend to look at gifts and we've just got these weird concepts that come up in our minds, but we look at the gifts and we think some are really supernatural and then there's kind of like lower tiered ones, you know? And I kind of operate in the lower tiered. Can we not belittle the work of the Spirit at Trinity? Let's let's elevate all the gifts to be what they are. Gifts from God by His Spirit. So that uh, Kim and I, Amanda, where are you? Amanda in the room, saw her earlier, she's out there. Kim and I were talking about Amanda Evans last night. 
that young woman has the gift of mercy. God forbid that we would look at her gift as something lower or less, that in some way that something, a gift that's used in a microphone is somehow to be elevated and thought of in one tier. And the gift of mercy, this girl, is gifted by the Spirit. Let us not belittle any gift of the Spirit. I think that's exactly Paul's point in the metaphor of chapter 12, the body. So we can oddly be looking for the extraordinary. And the more extraordinary it is, the more gifted. Where do we get these ideas? And I think in so doing... In looking for the extraordinary, we often overlook the ordinary. And can I say nothing is ordinary when you've been given a gift that is a charismata, a grace gift. Let's give credit and all glory to the Spirit of God who gifts His church. If I could have the worship team join me so that all gifts ought to be valued because All gifts are from the Spirit to glorify God and build the church. The Corinthians wanted to use their gifts to glorify themselves. It was a misuse of the gifts. Well, I do want to state that we believe that the gifts will continue. Which ones? Well, we would say all of them. Even prophecy, yeah, we believe in that. Even healing, yeah, we believe in healing. Even tongues, yeah, we believe in that. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says this, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. We interpret that, when the perfect comes, to be when Jesus Christ returns for his bride. There will be no need for healing. There will be no need for spiritual gifts. They will have ceased at that point. Will you stand with me? Let's just pray together and let's get to singing. Let's sing to the Lord and let's sing to each other. Lord, you know this sermon was inadequate for preaching the glory of the Spirit of God in our lives. Lord, take it for, for, for the words that have been put out there. Lord, stir our hearts Lord, help us to, in a right way, hunger to be continually filled. Help us to walk in those doors with this prayer. Because we're a God-centered church, we want to begin with, Lord, I'm here for you, first and foremost. Next, fill me again with your spirit. Would you have anything for me this morning?
that might be shared privately or publicly for the common good, the building up of the body of Christ. Lord, would you stir our hearts? Lord, help us. We want to be a word church. We want to be a spirit-filled word church. And help us to have a healthy theology of both of those at Trinity. Lord God, receive our praise as we lift up our voices to you in response. In your name, amen.